tell you where I'm going when I reach there. Uh, if you turn your Bible with me to Proverbs 27, verse number 18, that song ministered to me that I wrote this little note as the song was going on. It wasn't part of my note for this morning. And I just want to encourage you to let you understand that God is indeed faithful. It's not a cliche. It's not a slogan. It's a reality of the essence of his person. God is utterly dependable. He is faithful. Proverbs 27, 18. Ready? Read with me. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat his fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. Read it one more time. If you look in the middle column of your Bible, to keep the fig tree means to protect and to tend it. That's the meaning of that word, to keep, to protect it and to tend it. He who keeps a fig tree, we eat his fruit, so he who waits on his master, we be honored. As that song was going on, something was bubbling inside of my spirit. You know what it is? If you take care of God's business, it will take care of yours. God has a business. Jesus says so at the age of 12, don't you know I must be about my father's business? At that tender age, he was mindful of his father's business. It's like tending that fig tree of divine assignment given to you, of his plan and purpose given and committed to your hand. If you take care of God's business, it will take care of yours. There are so many ways to do it. For example, it was after Peter had toyed all night and caught nothing that he saw nothing good or his boat no longer useful to him. And Jesus said, may I have your boat for a moment? And he said, of what use it? Is it? Look, if it's useful to you, you can take it. He did not know that Jesus was going to take care of his own business that day. But when he finished preaching, he said, hey, by the way, God does not owe any man anything. I need to pay for services rendered. You have given me this boat, now let down the nets. And he went into a tirade. Uh, you may be a preacher, and you may be a carpenter. We know your story. You're not a fisherman. You're making some mistakes now because uh, all the fishes are returning to the depth of the sea. This is not the time to let down the nets. And then he cautioned himself because there will be no recovery if there's no repentance. He cautioned himself. He said, I recognize authority in what you're saying. There's authority in your word. Uh, this is not what I would normally do. I, I don't function this way. But at your word, I'll let down the net. And it caught so much that he had to beckon to his partners to come and share. You're not really rich until you can share with others. You, you're not there. It doesn't matter how much you have. Uh, it doesn't matter how, your elevated position. Uh, it was Pastor uh, Mike at the Bamor, at the dedication of his home. Uh, I was privileged to be there. And I said, Pastor Mike, this is not what to rejoice over. The real, real joy starts when you build for others to live in, not when you build your own. You know, it's when you begin to build for others. Those who never think they could ever own a place, he said, oh, just take this, it's yours. There's a, a bunch of keys, and that house is yours, and that house is yours, because through wisdom, a house is built. And, and it depends on the measure of wisdom you ask God for. 
Are you listening to me? What does a boat of Peter represent in this little story? It's like tending the fig tree. His boat became a platform for Jesus to be seen and a platform for Jesus to be heard. If your business is a platform for Jesus to be seen and Jesus to be heard, you are taking care of God's business. It will take care of your own. But you know, the problem I've seen in America, I lived there a little time with you, not as much as my wife did because I was coming and going, but a little time. I've seen something here. Can I be honest with you? You want me to? Will you be offended? We have pursued and we have given ourselves to making money that we have neglected making demand. We want to make money so badly that we put making the man in the back burner. And all that God is interested in, let us make man. Follow me, I will make you. If God makes a man, money will look for that man. You're not getting it. Because if you understand this, it will empty you before it fills you. If you allow him to make you, what others are looking for will look for you. I'm talking from experience. It's not theory. If God does not make you, you have to make it yourself. But remember, it is he who has made us, and now we ourselves. A self-made man is a disaster going somewhere to happen. We are the sheep of his pasture and the people of his hand. That ties me to where I'm coming this morning. Uh, 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 it ties me to it. If you pursue things and you do not allow God to make you, your resources are limited to the earth. And whatever befalls this earth will befall you. All the time I lived here, I did not see any store or more called for Christians only. There are no special malls that are dedicated to believers that when you get there, because you're a believer, they'll give you groceries. They'll give you suits. They'll give you shoes. Just say, I'm born again and it's yours. No, you compete in the same marketplace. If you invest in real estate and everything melts down, it melts down with you. When you are pursuing things, you limit yourself to the resources of the earth. And you know you can quote scripture for it. For as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest shall never cease. But it never occurs to you that your citizenship is in heaven. That you're not limited to the resources of the earth. So the church has been busy around seed sowing. And waiting for the harvest, not knowing that that is just utterly relevant. You don't get the resources of heaven through seed you sow. You don't. Because it's very clear. For as long as the earth remains, seed, time, summer and winter, heat and cold, night and day shall never cease. But that has nothing to do with the resources of heaven. You cannot access the resources of heaven by the seed you sow on earth because it's limited to the earth. There's only one thing that triggers heaven is fruit. I'm not looking for gift. I'm looking for fruit that may abound to your account. And fruit is your character. 
is the Holy Spirit in you, connects you to the whole of heaven. So can we go about our father's business today? Can we? Permit me to think aloud for a few seconds. For many years, Pastor Bank had been a blessing to us and still a blessing to us. And he came at great expense to his health for my birthday recently. I excused him, but he didn't excuse himself. It was there, and I was grateful to God that he was there. But for many years, he had run a family life conference. And this year, I told Pastor Bank, I'm sorry, I'm counseling all activities in the church, all programs, uh, family life conference, youth conference. I'm tired of our conferences. We want to be about our father's business. I said, sorry, you will not come this year because there will be no such conference. He said, what is happening? I said, I have seen that these programs and activities have replaced the heartbeat of God, which is soul winning. It was at that juncture he said, ah, I need to tell you some things, oh. People have left work fun. I said, they have left? Okay. And then I got here today, I find you. So did he lie to me? Because <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore, Pastor Bank. I thought I would come here today, I will see Tony, I will see Bank Junior, and I will see Faith. <laughs> because until you preach to that level, you have not really preached. Would you permit me to think aloud for a moment? Is that okay? Pastor, do I have your permission just to think aloud and be myself? Towards the tail end of Dr. Somro's life, I was one of the 16 people on the board of Lester Somro Evangelistic Association, Lessie. And one day at our board meeting, one of the leaders said to Dr. Somro, Doctor, I don't know how to break this news to you, it will, it will grieve your heart, but people have left the church. He said, people left? He said, what's so bad news about that? He said, people left the church and it's really affecting everything. The finances of the church and this and that, and they just left. And Dr. Somra said, what did you do wrong? He said, I don't know. Did you commit adultery? He said, no. Is there a scandal that broke out in the church and you're involved? He said, no. Is there financial mismanagement? And said, no. And Dr. Somra looked at him and said, are you greater than Paul? He said, what do you mean, sir? And he gave the scripture in Timothy. Let's go there. I'm thinking loud. Second Timothy chapter 4. I trust God you'll be about your father's business. Can I hear amen? Second Timothy chapter 4. And look with me at verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. This is a man who says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my cause. I've kept the faith. I've done everything I know how to do. Be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, and as a passage for Thessalonica, Christians for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. 
get Mark and bring him with you for his <laughs> useful to me for ministry. Isn't that funny? The one he thought was not useful is the one useful now. The one he thought was extremely loyal is the one they're gone. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus or Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. The man needed his clothes because it's cold. The warmth of friendship have all left him. The people we thought would be there have gone. And I've suffered this over and over again in Lateran assemblies that I'm used to it already. But yesterday I was shivering. <laughs> I won't tell you why. Because I didn't know it can be that close. So it was an eye-opener to me to think that those you think are really, really the future can just leave you stranded. Verse 16. I'm not interested in Alexander Copper Smith. He's, he's copper, you know. At my first defense, no one stood with me. But what happened? But all forsook me may not be charged to them. Do you know what it means by at my first defense? You know that he was charged to court. And he had to defend himself. And here is Asia where he labored for two years and the whole of Asia had the gospel. And when his case was called, the state versus Paul. It was Paul alone. There was no character witness. Nobody was there to say, no, this man is not a criminal. No, this man is a... Nobody was there for him. All forsook me. So when Dr. Sumra asked, he said, are you greater than Paul? You know what he said? He said, they left him. We thought he had finished. Then he said, are you greater than Jesus Christ? He said, turn to John 6, right at the board meeting there. He said, many of his disciples, not converts, many of his disciples departed from him and walked with him no more. He said, if you're not greater than Paul, if you're not greater than Jesus, then go and rejoice and thank God there's still people left and go walk with those ones because you'll bounce back. I want to thank you. I don't want to mention names that I find you here this morning. Because yesterday, I got disorientated more or less and got disconfigured. I was looking at photograph. And I said, ah, this is it. How is this? And pastor looked at me and said, oh, I didn't tell you. She left too. I said, who? And, and I went to the bathroom. It, I wasn't, and I didn't need the bathroom until I saw that. Because, you, you know, you can become over-reliant on people. Ah, the arms of flesh will truly fail. We truly fail. And God will take you to the place where you now begin to appreciate Mark. Because Mark was not useful before. But Barnabas had worked on Mark, and Mark is now useful. By the way, happy 50th birthday. I was not invited. I got to hear many happy returns. Welcome to your golden years. <laughs> It's because she didn't want to give me suya. That's fine. Are you with me? So I'm thinking loud. I traveled with Dr. Sumrall, 1994 to 1996. At that time, Lateran Assembly was filled to capacity before I left. I remember the day and time when I asked Olus to put a program together called Weekend of Miracles. I was going to rush to Nigeria to go preach. 
And Dr. Samra picked his phone in South Bend, Indiana. He said, Tunde. I said, yes, sir. You are with me in Russia on Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs> Did not ask me if I had anything planned. Did not ask me, how's your wife and children? Did not ask me, what is your plan for this weekend? Will it be suitable? And just said, you'll be with me in Russia on Friday. Goodbye. Now, Friday was the time I was to start this weekend of miracles. So, I picked the phone. Olus is still alive. I said, Olus, when he picked it, I said, I'll be in Russia from Friday to next week. And uh, you handle the thing. Goodbye. It's called, do me, I do you. <laughs> Olu said he almost fainted at the other end. Weekend of miracles. I have never walked any miracles. I don't know how to do anything. I'm in trouble, pastor. I said, yes, I'm in trouble. Somebody put me in trouble and I put you in trouble. It's chain reaction. Do you understand this? And by the time I got back to Lateran Assembly, the church was one-third full. One-third. They are gone. They are gone. Whereas God was using Dr. Somra to make the man. And I stood that first day after I returned, and I looked at the hall, my heart broke. The people you care about have gone. Where are they? I don't think they all backslid. They went different ways, different places. And as I was about to preach, I heard God quoting scriptures to me. You will not see rain. You will not see wind. You will find water. I said, Lord, what does this mean? Quick conversation. He said, ask the people to contribute money for 50 dozen more chairs. I'll never forget for as long as I live and there are living witnesses. Ask them to contribute money today for 50 dozen more chairs and I participated also. We ordered for 50 dozen more chairs to join empty chairs. Does it make sense? God does not make sense most of the time. But he knows about his business better than you do. He knows the face where you are and the state where you are going. And he knows why someone has to go. Just be, don't be offended at all. And just know that God is about to do something. So come with me this morning. I've been thinking aloud. God has been making you, purging you. And he has a reason for all that has ever happened to this church. Honestly, Pastor Bank, somewhere along my note as you write, you exaggerated. Because this, I didn't expect these people here. Can I thank you for coming? You don't know how it feels? Thank you for staying. Thank you for being here. Because it will break my heart. That what God wants to do here, you will not be a partaker. Matthew. I've cleared the ground, I've thought loud. Let me now initiate you into the Father's business. As he has been teaching me lately. Matthew. And Pastor Bank, is it, is it, not, is it not very funny? That our emphasis was upon a time and still remains valid emphasis is that uh, it's not about how many people you seat, it's about how many people you send. And all of a sudden, our seats are empty and we are concerned. <laughs> now, you will not, your heart will not be broken 
if they are sent and they are now living for flimsy things that should not even happen. Matthew chapter 28, a popular scripture you know, but I will do very little about. Verse 16, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How many doubtful worshippers are in the house today? I've learned not to doubt God because while waiting upon him in the past few days, as a Lord, would you give me the shape of what the year 2015 will be like? You have told me there will be turbulence in Nigeria. You have told me there will be crisis in Nigeria. And as we were coming from Nigeria into London a few days ago, the turbulence was so strong. You could see men panicking where we were. It was so strong. And after that turbulence that was so strong, like the plane was going to crash, then there was calm. And we landed. The pilot did not cry, help me. He didn't. Because he has been trained to use his equipment in the midst of storm. And he stayed focused. He didn't call for help. He didn't say, passengers, are you still there? Hold your seat. Don't just fasten your seat belt. Call upon your God. Oh, they did that in the boat where Jonah was. They panicked. Are you with me? And after that came, you know what God said to me? That's how he brought the message to me. He said, the year 2015, your year of indescribable joy. Now, how can I go and sell indescribable joy in Nigeria? Would it make sense? Now, with all the turbulence and upheavers, I said, God, now you always get me into trouble. I will go up there now and say, 2015, indescribable joy. And then I had another scripture count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Oh, I know regardless of the storm, Nigeria will land safely. Regardless of the storms, there will be that calm that will produce a new nation we have been longing for in the name of Jesus. All right. Some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, King James Version says, all power. I I like that all power more than this authority. Uh, And I'm not trying to use them in interchange. All power in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. Every other power is sandwiched in between to work for you. Whether it's the power at the disposal of the president of America. Regardless of the decrees they make, all things can only work together for your good. Because the one who has all powers in heaven and earth happens to be your Lord and your Savior. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I hear a good amen? One of the verses of scripture that ends with amen. It means so be it. The seal of the almighty is upon this. So be it. 
For the past few months now, since about June, I'd focus only majorly on one message. You want to hear it? Can I share it with you? Say with me, the kingdom mandate. Every domain, every generation, and every nation in our lifetime. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. I'm not waiting for 10 years. I'm not waiting for 15 years. I'm so hungry for God that I want his glory to cover the earth. Say with me, the kingdom mandate. Every domain, every generation, and every nation in our lifetime. I've taken this message to Asia. I've taken it to Europe. That's what we have been feeding on at the Lateran Assembly. That's the Father's business. And because the whole church is wired up onto this business, I've seen their businesses experience tremendous breakthrough. I'm going to teach you how to be mindful of the Father's business this morning. And you know what? You need to order for more chairs. You don't believe that this morning, but when it happens, I will share the joy with you. You will need to order more chairs or get ready for next service and next service. And I trust God it will give you men that will be able to carry on because you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You can't do it all by yourself. You can't do it alone. There must be others that will be released also will carry on the tradition. The kingdom mandate, every domain, every generation, every nation in our lifetime. What do you understand by this? theme. It simply means share your faith in all that you do, especially in your own domain of influence. Say that with me. Share your faith in all that you do, especially in your own domain of influence. I'll say it again. It simply means share your faith in all that you do, especially in your own domain of influence. You know God is not going to judge you for the revelation you don't have. He's not going to judge you. Because you don't know it. But when he makes it available to you, it becomes yours. Share your faith in everything that you do. Especially in your own domain of influence. It's now compulsory for children ministry to go out for children to go win children. It's compulsory. It's compulsory. They don't just come to be given biscuit and water and be taught they must be soul winners. And I've seen children share faith even with adults that adults are being convicted. I'm seeing a new lease of life in church and it brings so much joy. There's less tension, less friction because everybody's busy about the father's business. Your domain may be lofty. Your domain may be low. You may be a CEO. Or you may just be a simple house cleaner. Regardless of your status, it does not defeat the purpose. It does not defeat or diminish your role as being about your father's business. No matter how lofty or how lowly your position or your domain of influence is, you can still extend God's kingdom in that domain. 
Please follow me for a moment to 2 Kings chapter 5. You can write it down. And there you will be in the house of a captain, the captain of Syria, by the name of Naaman, a mighty man of valor. The Lord, not Satan, the Lord has given victory to Syria through him because he's God of nations. And there was a little young girl, captive. When they raided Samaria, she was brought into captivity. When she was brought into Captain Naaman's house, Captain was captain. Had tremendous favor with the king. He had direct line to the king of Syria. He was honorable with his master. But something happened to him. Leprosy broke out. And back then, it's like HIV. Or something near Ebola. I got here three days ago. I didn't tell a lie. But I will tell you how I told the truth. I landed, presented my British passport. And he said, have you been to Africa in the past 30 days? I said, I'm coming from Europe. Did I lie? So have you been to Africa in the past 30 days? I said, I'm coming from UK. He said, good morning. I said, good morning too. Uh-huh. Who is going to answer that question? And they take me aside and quarantine me. I will not be here this morning. So I had to use wisdom. It's called sanctified common sense. You must be as wise as the serpent and as gentle as the dove. Have you been to Africa? What's, is Africa the name of a country? If you answer yes, they will take you aside before they know that the part of the Africa you visited has no Ebola. You'll be in trouble. You'll be swept in there. Have you been to Africa in 30 days? I said, I'm coming from UK. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. That shall deliver your only one from trouble. <laughs> but leprosy broke out of Captain Neiman's body. It's okay if he broke out in his fingers. You can cover it with gloves. It's okay if it's somewhere in his back. You can cover it with clothes. But if he hits your nose or somewhere that is so visible, then there's no more cover up. So it had become clear, especially to those in the household, even if it was not national news, that Captain Neiman was suffering from leprosy. But this little girl had been taught how to share her faith, even in captivity. She didn't rush to the captain. See, you want a microphone. That's the problem. You want a microphone to share your faith? That's the problem. She did not even bother to go to the person suffering. She simply went to a line of authority, a reporting line. Ma'am, I wish Captain can go to Samaria. There's a prophet of God who can heal him there. That's all she shared. Hello. Do you need a certificate from Harvard to do that? You need master's degree to do that? If 
captain could just get to Samaria. There's a prophet of God there who could heal her. We are not even sure how she came to know about the prophetic ministry of Elisha. Because I don't think Elisha was on television. Madame told Oga. Oga told the king. The king wrote a letter to the king of Israel because of the testimony of a girl in captivity. Shame on you if you are free and you are not sharing your faith. One little testimony triggered a national discourse. The king of Syria wrote to the king of Israel. The letter got to the king of Israel. The king tore his clothes. This king is looking for trouble. When do I become a, 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 a healer of leprosy? He was perplexed. But you know, in those days, the, 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 the spiritual infrastructure was so strong that Graham Bell's telephone that in the bedroom of Elisha, he could pick every vibration in Syria. He sent to the king of Israel, he said, let him come here and I will show him there's a prophet in Israel. He got to the front of his house with his messenger. You know the story, don't you? But you do not know that the whole story is built on the testimony of a girl in captivity who simply shared her faith. He was expecting the prophet to come out and begin to say, Rabba Satakayaba, hey, Rabba And he, he told his servant, you need servants in this house. Servants who can communicate, servants who can accurately give information, not add to it, not subtract from it. They would do it as they have been told. So tell him to go to where? Which river? Have you been to Jordan before? Okay, so you can't know. All right, go there when you have the time. Jordan is such a small river that is not bigger than from here to that place. From here to that place. The river Jordan you're in, I've seen it twice, thrice. But when Jordan overflows its banks, it can carry this house away. The torrent so powerful. I remember Shayim, my son and I standing, I said, Shayim, move back. Because you never can tell what is going to happen hereafter. The speed is so much. And yet it's such a tiny river. He said, tell him to go deep himself seven times. You know the rest of the story. What happened to captain? Captain confessed God. He said, I'm taking two moves of sand from here. There's no other God except the God of Israel. I will never go worship any other God. I'm taking these two moves of sand to go build a sanctuary. A place of worship. Did the girl tell her about salvation? Did the girl tell her about sinner's prayer? Did the girl tell her about baptism in River Jordan? Did the girl talk to her about, about, about several steps to breakthrough? No, you have a problem. The solution come to where the solution is. Jesus is the solution. It will fix your life. That's all she shared. But you know too much. So you are confused. You don't know when to share. 
and you are full of suspicion that maybe it's their sin that causes trouble. The guy did not say so. Oh, they are going through a lot now because they must have missed something. What's your own business? Who, who gave that to you? You, 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 run, you run riot with your mouth. The young maid in Captain Neman's household shared her faith and that should shame every tongue-tied believer who is free in the house. But who is not sharing her faith or his faith and people are not thronging in to meet the solution to their problems. Do you know somebody's life is tied to you? Somebody's future is tied to your testimony. Just mere sharing. That's a lowly position. But that did not diminish sharing faith in that domain. Let's take the lofty one. That you become real top brass and you're a force to reckon with in society. It does not excuse you from sharing your faith. Come with me to the book of Luke. Chapter 5. Not Peter's boat now. I've shared that at the beginning. Luke chapter 5. Beginning from verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting where? At the tax office. By the way, have you fixed my tax? The person I'm talking to knows who I'm talking to. Okay, she has answered me. <laughs> she, it's not your business. <laughs> you understand? That's how you will be hearing thunder. Because <laughs> the person I'm speaking to had already nodded, so we have communicated. It's not your business. It's part of the service. Amen. <laughs> After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his house, and there were what? A great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick have not come to call the righteous, that's a problem, <laughs> but sinners to repentance. Imagine the whole immigration service of Federal Board of Inland Revenue coming to Jesus in one day because of someone's testimony. Matthew, the tax collector, he was at his post gathering tax. And Jesus said, follow me. There was such magnetism that he could not resist. And he followed him and instantly he threw a party for Jesus, invited all other tax collectors and they gathered. Imagine the whole of Inland Revenue experiencing spiritual rebirth in one day through the testimony of one of them. It wasn't Jesus who called all other taxmen. 
Am I making sense to you? Look, except you're not interested in the father's business. Let me change the subject. Can I talk about how to make money? Maybe that will excite you a little. One tax collector reached other tax collectors. Have you looked through your Bible? Is there any gospel according to St. Andrew? I can't hear you. My friends harassed me. You must write. Every true apostle must write. When I didn't have anything to write, should I just write nonsense? I didn't have anything to write. I wasn't moved to write. I'd written before. I didn't feel like writing. Especially Jonathan David. Every true apostle must write. If you don't write, nobody will know. I said, okay. Write on my behalf. So he finished preaching. I've been telling Pastor Bakary he has to put this revelation down in a book format so that next generation will read it. I said, Andrew did not write. But Andrew had enough sense to go look for Peter. We have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And his testimony was convincing enough to bring the foremost apostle to Jesus. Andrew will have no reward for not writing a book, but he will have a reward for bringing the one who wrote to Jesus. Because everywhere you see Andrew in the Bible is bringing people to Jesus. That was his job. So in our church, we call it Operation Andrew. You don't have to write books. You don't have to know so many things. Just share your faith. Fishermen reach out to fishermen. Tax collectors reach out to tax collectors. We do not have enough space in this house if you have been faithful. We don't have enough room. If you have been about your father's business, but you and I have become so selfish that we are busy making money that we are not making the man. Or shall I ask? You know, you and I have been around here for a long time. Who did you bring in the past four months to this place? And show me your disciples. Where are they? It's looking for fruit. That's what turns heaven on. I want to see the fruit that remains, not the seed you are sowing. You have not chosen me, I have chosen you, that you may go out and bring up fruit, and so that those fruits will remain. In this is my Father glorified, that you produce more fruit, much fruit later. It got so bad, I got so overwhelmed in this message, that I began to go witness and to bring people to church myself. They said, hey, are you here? Uh, the, the, the person I reached out last week, uh, what was it? Kasali, are you here? This one, are you here? Praise God. These are the people I witnessed to. Are you in Christ now? Have you just... And they saw that I mean, I stopped every Dominion Partners banquet. I smashed it. Every year we had big Dominion, Bar- Part- Dominion Partners banquet. It will cost three, five million. It was us partners eating. So this year, I said, no way. Let's go to the orphanages. Let's go to the homes. Go and do dominion partners for them there. Now we have a problem. Last Sunday, I did 9 o'clock service, 11 o'clock service, 2 p.m. 
I'm 5 p.m. at, 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 at uh, uh, what's, what's the name of that hotel now? Excellence Hotel. That was where I did the fourth one last Sunday. Look at the potentials we are destroying on a daily basis. Everybody's about himself, his wife, his family, his children, and not about God's business anymore. We have gone through shaking so that we can come back to our senses. Can I hear amen? I would have closed there, but I have one or two more points, and I say goodbye till I see you again. Both the young maid in Captain Neyman's house, and of course, Levi, the tax collector, exercise the kingdom mandate in their own domain. You know what I found out? I call it cost-effective evangelism. Cost-effective evangelism. Let me tell you two or three things that they did not need. They didn't need sound system, microphones, amplifiers, speakers. Not necessary. Number two, no travel costs. They didn't need to buy tickets, travel insurance. They didn't need to pack bags, hotel expenses, not necessary. <laughs> Number three, no heavy-duty advertisement, flyers, posters, banners, TV and radio slots, not necessary. Number four, there's no need for hall rentals, canopies and chairs, tables, not necessary. And number five, they don't need to hire security and police because they want to do crusade. Not necessary. One just rich one. And the kingdom is advancing. It's cost-effective evangelism. It does not... It, all those activities we package together to win one soul, you can do more. It's important to emphasize household faith here. That the jailer, what shall I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, yourself and your household shall be saved. If I open this final little statement of household faith, you see how much neglect you have done and how much blood is in your hand and my hand. How many people are on daily basis going to eternity of doom while we are playing religious con gaming church? Let's check some people and see what I mean by household faith. Noah was a preacher of righteousness who condemned his generation. Noah preached to the whole world his own word. But he didn't win any soul. But he did not lose any member of his family. Hello. Are you with me? Yes. Do you have anyone in your family today who is not born again? Have you spoken to them? Have you prayed? Have you fasted about that individual in your family? who has not given his life to Christ, or it doesn't concern you, it doesn't bother you anymore. Let me take just that one segment alone. Family. 
Let's see how many people are involved. Let's just say family. Somebody say family. I have a lot to say. Say family. Let's see who are there. Toy, grandma, is she part of your family? Okay. <laughs> Mom, is she part of your family? Dad, is he part of your family? Your siblings? Your cousins? Your aunts? Your uncles? Are they part of family? Are they all born again? No. Have you spoken to them? No. You're in trouble. I use towing so that you will not be offended. She's my daughter. If I use you, you say, why are you picking on me? <laughs> now your grandmother will die, you will kill cow. But she does not know the Lord and you didn't care. But you have made some money. In fact, you have been serving towards it. Wagba. <laughs> we'll paint the town red the day my father died, the day my mother died. Wagba. But you don't care about the soul of that individual where that person will spend eternity. Did you plan for your brother to die? Oh, you don't know I hear news. I do. At his home going, the pastor preached casually and said I was angry. Took the microphone and said, Hey! You cannot go to eternity of doom from here. And multitudes there gave their life to Christ. If she didn't seize that opportunity, they would have gone to hell. Because we like to preach nine sermons. And we have forgotten that hell is real. And so is heaven. Have you reached out to everyone in your own family? Because that's your domain of influence. Noah did not gain anyone in the world. But Noah got his household saved. Everybody, his wife, his sons, his sons' wives. They all entered that ark with him. Noah walked with God. Noah had favor in the sight of God. And Noah used it to influence his own household. Big man, big trouble. In my household, there's a gardener, two of them. There are cleaners, two of them. There are four policemen. There are four mobile policemen attached to me. Day and night. I can enjoy the ride. Sirene. You can get carried away with the serene and just sit back declaring the road for you. But are those people born again? When I began to preach this message was when my eyes turned to them. And I began to ask one after the other. I'm not going to be guilty of your blood. Are you born again? If you don't like it, uh, I'm a Muslim. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm not asking whether you're a Muslim or you're a Christian. Are you going to heaven if you die today? He said, I'm not sure. Let us pray. There's only one who can take you there. This is what your Quran says. This is what the Bible says. Choose one of them. If you're going to be around me here, you must give your life to Jesus Christ or ask you to be posted out. I am not joking. We enjoy those services. Somebody has been making your hair for how long? How long, Yeti? How long has this hair been made by that person? Have you opened your mouth one time to speak to her? Tell me the truth. You even give her a tip. Well, oh, you really did this one nice. It's very nice. Yes. Yeah. How much is my bill? $20. I'll give you 30 Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. 
Now someone going to eternity of doom. Your doctor, you have, it may be 15, maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes that you are there in that consultation room with your doctor. One on one. She's going through hell. He's going through hell. And God is depending on you to open your mouth. Uh, doctor, I'm not feeling well. He said, well, uh, how can I help? Doctor, what's the matter? Your countenance. Is all well with your family? Can I pray? And then they will break down and open up. Because they've been waiting for someone. That jailer in Philippi became the pastor of the first church there. Paul needed to go to jail to save the pastor. What you are going through is not beyond God. He allows it for a reason so that you can be about his business and then he will be about your business. Lot was another preacher of righteousness. Lot in Sodom. He, was sent, he sent himself to Sodom because he was much more guided by sight than by the Holy Spirit. He chose a place that was well, well, well watered. And then he did not know the people there were wicked. But then he became a preacher of righteousness in that part of the world at that time. His soul was vexed daily basis. Go and read the book of Jude. Go and read Peter. His soul was vexed because of unrighteous conversation. He was a preacher of righteousness. But he was a joker. He brought all his messages through jokes. Making everyone laugh. So he raised daughters that would get him drunk to sleep with him. Why wouldn't they do that? When he, their father, has spawned them to hungry, sex-hungry homosexuals. He said, don't, don't touch these angels. I have two virgin daughters. I'll give them to you. If you have, if you have point your daughter that way, they will not, they've landed the trick of Sodom to get you drunk. Do you know Lot went to his in-laws when the angel said, go get everyone that is related to you here. This place is about to be doomed. He ran to his in-laws and said, hey, call my in-law. How are you doing? This place, I said, you have started with your jokes again. That's the response. They didn't take you serious because you're not serious. He lost his wife. He lost all they have. His Catholic God saved himself. And it would take 10 generations after for the likes of Ruth to be brought back into the family. Household salvation. Look at Abraham. God said, I know Abraham. He will command his household after him. I had a, a shouting match, a, 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 a strong war with my sons. You know, especially the one you call the boss. The boss came to Nigeria and he wants to boss me. <laughs> and I said, boss, I will take the battery out of your car and you have no boss to ride. <laughs> you understand me? Welcome to the world of reality. Welcome home. And my son looked at me and said, dad, you know, the problem is, every time you speak to us, the scripture says, this, well, you don't really connect. You, I say, I can't connect with you because I've connected with heaven. And this way I'm standing, you are to connect with me. I must command my household to fear the Lord. And he thought it was a joke. Until I opened fire. Because I'm not going to be guilty of their blood. 
You either do it right, line up, or fall out. You can fend for yourself now, son. You have education. You don't need to live in my room, any, in my, under my roof anymore. You're free to go. He found that outside is not easy. I'm not joking. Are we commanding? Are we just appealing? By our lifestyle, are we commanding that our household must line up? How do we know that Abraham commanded his household? Even his servant knew God. Even his servant prayed to the God of Abraham, testified about him. When God commanded him that everyone in his household must be circumcised, he circumcised himself and everyone subjected to circumcision. That's command. It's not order around. It's obey God and model it before others. Because children don't do what they say, they do what we do. And they will test your authority before they submit to it. Listen, friends, I can go on and on throughout this day. Look at how many lives are hanging on you alone. On you alone. Your family, your friends, your staff, your professional colleagues, your cook, if you have one, your gardener, your barber, your doctor, your admirers, your security guard. I had the privilege of naming the, 20, the 32nd grandson, is the 32nd, I think, 31st. I had the privilege of naming the 31st grand, great-grandson of Chief Obafemi Awolowo in London in, in the month of October. And they said, Mumi's mother, Dr. Tukumbo Dosuma Awolowo, invited me and said, I'd like you to do the christening. You've been ministering to us. I'd like you to be there. So I took the boy in my hand. I said, this is the 31st. Where are the remaining 30? Do they believe like you believe, ma'am? You have a responsibility. There are 22 grandchildren. There are 31 great-grandchildren. That's a clan. Do you care if they're born again? Do you witness to them? She said, from that day, she's been on phone. Calling. Checking. You can exercise your own dominion in your own domain. And God begins to enlarge your course and add your number. If we would take this message seriously, there is no space big enough to take us. It's cost effective. You just need to open your mouth and share what God has done in your own life. And leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. For he, the spirit of truth, when he comes into the world, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is George already. Leave the Holy Spirit to bring them to conviction. That's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You just live the life and share the message. I trust God that in the days to come, what appears like losses will become gain to us. I call it a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call for all of us, for those in leadership, for those in the church, that we have abandoned the father's business for too long a time. 
We just want to show up in church on Sunday and feel good. Let me close with this scripture. And this you gladden your heart. And hold on to it because it's the word of God. It ministered to me in times past. I tell people oftentimes that my destiny is intertwined with that of Nigeria. And until recently, I do not have any scripture for it. And all of a sudden, God opened my eyes. And I want to use that to minister to you. Come with me to Isaiah 49. I'm going to round up. And I'm going to give you a challenge, not to the nations of the earth right now, but to your own territory of influence. And I demand must be placed on you that you don't waste all the potentials of the good things the Lord has done in your life and the messages you've had over the years that you go to the highways and bypass every territory of your influence. Begin to let them know who you are. Please call General Buhari. Call anyone in the board of trustees of that political party. Ask them that if they ask me anything, I open my Bible according to this scripture. Right there. Because that's God's word that created the world. Once they will begin to get a result, they will listen to you. And God will fill your life with proof. In the name of Jesus, that nobody will resist what you're saying. Isaiah 49. Listen, O coastlands, to me and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. Who is talking here? Somebody talk to me. Who is talking here? Isaiah. The Lord has called me from the womb. Didn't, Jeremiah, didn't he say so to Jeremiah? Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. But this is bigger. This is bigger than what he said to Jeremiah. Listen to it. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. He has hidden me, made me a polished shaft in his quiver. He has hidden me. He said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, Abba. Who did, he, who did God take from his mother's womb? I thought it's Isaiah. So who is he speaking to here? Israel. He said, God has kept me like an arrow in his quiver. And then he said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I'll be glorified. Then I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord. And my work is with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant? To bring Jacob back to him. Is this not confusing? Is Isaiah running mad? Is he hysterical? He said, the Lord took me from my mother's womb. And he said, Israel. No, what he's saying is, you, your destiny is intertwined with that of Israel. If you live right, you bring the whole of Israel to me. All he needs from one nation is one man. All he needs from one nation is how many people? One man. One man. Goliath understood that. Give me one man to fight with me. If he kills me, we'll be your servant. If I kill him, you will be our servant. The man uh, that Paul saw in a vision. Come to where? Come to Macedonia and help us. It's one man. If God can get one accurate work fund member. Just one. We're totally sold out to God. You will see a change in this place that you have never seen before. Why? Because heaven will descend upon the earth through him. I pray you'll be that one man today. And now listen to the rest of the message. 
Verse number 8. Thus says the Lord. In an acceptable time I've heard you. And in the day of salvation I've helped you. I'll preserve you. And give you as a covenant to the people. To restore the earth. You. He's not talking about Israel anymore. He's taking it from Israel to the whole of the earth. I'm going to put my word in your mouth. To restore the earth. To cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. That you may say to the prisoners. Go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads, and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. While this word was coming, and coming strong to Isaiah, and coming strong by extension to Israel, see the response of the Zion church. Verse number 14. Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Shall I without... Uh, twist in scripture put here and Pastor Bang said with all my labor in this place look at how they are leaving me and he's left and said what else can we do we have gone to them we have reached out to them they are not coming back what is wrong are we in sin God and we begin to fast and we begin to pray but listen to God can any woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion the son of a womb, surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Oh. <laughs> Lift up your eyes, look around and see all this gather together and come to you as I live, says the Lord. You shall surely clothe yourselves with them as an ornament and bind them as on you as a bride does. For your waste and desolate places and the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants and those who swallowed you up will be far away. Verse 20. Are you ready? Walk fine church, are you ready? Everyone in the house, are you ready? The children you will have after you have lost the others we say again in your ears, the place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Then you will say in your heart, who has begotten this for me since I've lost my children and I'm desolate? A captive and wandering to and fro. And who has brought this up? There I was left alone. But these, where were they? Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations. And set on my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms. And your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers. And their queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth. And lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Instead of complaining. Instead of grumbling. Instead of being angry that people left. Let's begin to look at those who are coming. Because they are, they are going to be carried on the shoulders of kings. They are going to be carried on the shoulders of queens. They are going to come in and then they will be saying, this place is too small for us. We need a larger space to live. We need different dimensions of ministry. Let's take it there. Let's take it there. Because it's a new day in the life of this ministry to take the message of the gospel to every domain, every generation, and every nation in our lifetime in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody said to your neighbor, this place is too small. I can't hear you. 
only the eye of faith can see this morning that this place is too small compared to what God is about to do. This place is too small. It's too small. It's too small. Hear me. For about 40 minutes this morning, Kabyeza Wujale was on the phone to me. I don't treat these things with levity or just talk carelessly to feel my own ego. No, I want you to hear what he said. I'm not going to tell you the gist. He said, you know, we're at a critical juncture. And the number one that is likely to win says, if you're not going to be there, it's not going to name anybody else. What do you want? We are suggesting that you accept this once the election is won. I said, sir, let's not cut the chicken before they are hashed. I'm satisfied with the work that I'm doing. Serving God is enough for me. And he said, don't you think your church is no longer a Lateran assembly? Can't you see that Muslims are listening to you? Can't you see that pagans want to come to you? Won't you reach out to them? Accept this responsibility to minister to the entire nation in just, instead of Christians only. Everybody wants to be part of what you are doing. That will be your portion. In the name of Jesus, that will be your portion. That will be your portion today. In Jesus' mighty name, the whole world will come. Make their road to your house. Make their road to your business. In the name of Jesus, as you keep busy with God's business, God will take care of your business. Stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you have released in this house today. I thank you for expansion. I thank you for taking the kingdom to a different dimension. I pray this word will be understood by all. And everyone will begin to exercise kingdom mandate in every domain, in every generation, in every nation, in every place of influence. In the name of Jesus Christ. And as they speak your will, confirming with signs and wonders for them. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverances. Thank you for souls that will be born again. Thank you for household faith. Thank you for salvation to members of our family and to everyone within our territory of influence. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Woo! Woo!